CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. So glad you've joined us. We're, what's so important in today's world is every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Boy, I'll tell you, to contend earnestly for the faith. Boy, I'll tell you, that's funny. A charge from Paul like that would be to contend earnestly for the faith because there's so many other things in there that are not of God that people are contending for. We want to be about our Father's business. We want to just encourage you. Give us a call. You know, if you've been sharing your face, someone's ask you a question. You're troubled about what you see going on globally. Maybe something's come up in your church and you want to know if it's even in the Bible at all. That's why we're here each and every weekday afternoon, live radio, 8888. Ask CSN is the number to call. We've got some lines open. You're invited to uh, join us. Looking forward to answering some questions with you. Joining me today, special guest, featured speaker here, John Randall, uh, Calvary Chapel, South Orange County, uh, down by uh, San Clemente. And uh, welcome, John. Oh, thank you, Mike. Great to be back here with you today. Excited for another program. I, I know. I, I feel blessed. Two days in a row. That, that's really good. And uh, your program, A Daily Walk, comes on about one hour before To Every Man and Answer, right before Mike Fabares. And I was listening to it today. Very blessed. And uh, so I just want to encourage you and say thank you for oh, being you so and much. your church, for being part of CSN and ministering to people. You know, we we call it uh, the... Uh, Wireless Bible Seminary. Well, truly is. I've talked to so many people, have friends that are farmers, and they say, you know, it's funny. I'm out on the tractor all day long, and I just listened to CSN, and I said, this is like this is like going to to uh, Bible college. Only you got uh, farms and fields to look at as you're plowing, you know. But nice. uh, it is so important in these days that um, you know whatever you feed, it's going to get stronger. You feed your spirit, God's word. Hey, it's going to grow. You feed your flesh. It's going to get stronger and try to wipe out your spirit. So being about daddy's business is so important. And John, again, I'm so glad you've got your program on at 3 p.m. Mountain Time here called A Daily Walk. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate the opportunity. So once again, 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call if you want to be part of the program today. Let's go ahead and go to the phones. We have Sabrina on the line, Sunnyside, Washington. Hi, welcome. Hi, how are you doing? Good. How may we help? I have a question. My sister just got engaged to a guy, and they both claim that they're Christian. However, they've been living in sin this whole time they've been dating um, and still living in sin. Uh, I just kind of was kind of figuring out what should I do as a Christian myself? Um, How do I stand up? that okay um, do i stand as a bridesmaid like do i go to the wedding she is my sister it's well yeah. first sabrina i think the first thing we have to look at is yeah what they're doing is wrong but in getting married they're trying to get out of the mess they're in and and for that i i do say that's good however i don't believe anytime you're in the middle of sin do you oftentimes make good decisions that's the big problem because we're blinded. We're so far into the forest, we don't see the trees anymore. 
we don't hear really God's voice. God's voice could be screaming, get out of this. And because we're so far in, we're shacked up, we're doing all these things. But we remember that Jesus met a woman at the well and she was living with a guy. She had five husbands and Jesus said, and the man you're currently with, you're not married to. And Jesus did not shine her on. Uh, in fact, he just began to reason with her. And this is when I believe a great transformation came in this woman's life. Now, the Bible doesn't say she immediately went home and kicked the dude out of her house or she immediately married him. But I believe that this is something that as we look at, there's going to be fruits of repentance uh, when a person truly comes to Christ. Now, if you've been stealing from people, you need to pay it back, as as Zacchaeus did. Uh, uh, I'll repay everybody fourfold. According to the Levitical law, he is only required to pay back two times. He gave back four times. So that's really incredible. But there's always fruits of repentance. It's like, like somebody breaks in your house, steals your stuff, and says, man, uh, you know, forgive me, bro, because, you know, I'm a Christian too, but I'm not going to give your stuff back because you got really cool stuff. Well, there's no, there's no forgiveness there. I mean, there's no repentance there because fruits of repentance have not been honored. Your thoughts, John? Well, the Bible does tell us in Galatians chapter six, verse one, Sabrina, that if anyone is overtaken in a trespass, that is they're in sin, it says that you who are spiritual seek to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. I think as a sister in the Lord, that you have a responsibility, according to scripture, to go to uh, your friend, those who are engaged, and and share with them your heart. Point them to scripture and let them know, hey, this is this is a bad witness. This is a bad testimony. Just because you are going to get married, you're not married yet. And if you're listening to the program today, just so you know, because this is a common misconception and you're living in sin or you're living with someone who is not your spouse, that's not God's intention. God's intention from the beginning was one man with one woman for life in marriage. You're not to be living together before you're married. It says a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his who? Wife and the two shall become one. And before that, you're outside of God's will. And if you're asking God to bless your relationship while you're living in sin, you're really hindering it. And I'll tell you this, over the years, having counseled many couples through difficulties, you know, a lot of them who were together before they were married, they're the ones that had really difficult times later on, because right now is a formative time where trust is being built. And so I would go to them in love. And then I would also encourage them, you need to get some premarital counsel. If you're going to church, maybe you bring their pastor and, and encourage him, hey, you might want to be aware of this. I mean, these are things you do this because you love them and you want to see them blessed in their marriage, Mike. Amen. And, uh, you know, the thing is, is that, <clears throat> you know, uh, if they get married, it doesn't mean they'll end a divorce. But the problem is there's not one problem that's evident in a divorce that wasn't there, which, which was there in the courtship. But if we short circuit the courtship part of it by shacking up or whatever, we don't see the problems that are really there. I've, I talked to people. She goes, I'm leaving my husband. I said, why? She says, he's a raging alcoholic. And I said, well, did he drink when you were dating him? Well, yes. I said, then why did you date him? Why did you marry him? And she said, here it is. I didn't think it would be a problem. So what people always say, well, you know, I mean, he's early into porn. Well, was he looking at magazines or was he hitting the, the websites on the internet? Well, yeah. Well, why'd you marry him? 
I didn't think it would be a problem. But in that time of God revealing this other person's heart to you, God revealing your heart to them, it's short-circuited by the, the, the relationship which is not God-ordained. And this is where the problems come in. And so you might be marrying somebody that there's a glaring problem, but sin has numbed you to the the issue, and then you marry the person only to find out, hey, by the way, I'm wanted in three states. I, I have got felonies on me, or uh, I've got kids living in other states, or, you know, um, I, I I can't really hold a job. I've had nine jobs in the last two years. Well, th- the problem is is that these are going to be carried into the into the marriage. So I think, Sabrina, one of the best things to talk to your friend about is that, uh, your sister, is that, l- let me just ask you a question. Do you see anything in him that concerns you at all? I think this is the way I think I would handle it. She can't see. She's blind. She's, she's in sin. When you're in sin, you're blind, the Bible says. So, I would be her eyes for her and say, listen, is there anything you see in him? Do you, do you see him drinking? Do you see him, you know, uh, checking out the bars? Do you see him? What, what do you see him do? And she may say, well, yeah, you know, I, 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 I've been seeing some things about him. I, I mean, um, how's his temper? Uh, if you play a game with him, Monopoly or whatever, how does he re- react when he loses? All these different things are so important because they reveal the inner character of a person. And so I would begin to be her eyes. You're going to have to help her navigate. She's blind. She's flying completely blind. So you come in not to say, woo, 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 you rotten sinner just as Jesus did not do to the woman at the well. He said, what you're doing is wrong. But he, he said, the man you're with is, is not your own. She knew it was wrong. But when we understand that we can oftentimes come in there, and if she says, well, you know, he has this, this really explosive temper that, that, man, I'll tell you, it scares me when he, when he does that. Well, you know, I would, Sabrina, I would say, well, maybe, sis, maybe why don't you come live with me for a couple of months until you can really see what this guy's really like? Because you're so far into the forest, you don't see the trees. When here, Here's what the Bible says. First, considering yourself when you see somebody overtaken in a fall. That means how would you want somebody to come to you to help you get out of the sin you're in? Now, I think there's a lot of sin sniffers out in the Christian world right now, and I don't have a lot of use for them. Because the problem is, they don't see the sin in their own life. But here's the problem. When we see sin in somebody else's life, it isn't that you're some super giant spiritual person that God's revealed to you what's wrong with everybody else. If God has shown you something wrong in somebody else's life, that is so you go to them, you put your arm around them, you say, hey, sis, I want you to know I'm here for you. Come and live with me. Get out of this situation, at least until you're married. So that way, when you come together in the marriage, hey, it's going to be it's going to be good. It's going to be neat. In the meanwhile, you'll have some time to think about, is this really what I, what I want to do, or do I feel trapped? Well, you know, he really doesn't have anywhere else to go. Listen, you're not his mom. That's what I would tell her. 
It's up to him to stand on his own two feet like appendages and and say, hey, listen, I'm going to take care of you. So I think there's a lot of ingredients that go in to when we see somebody overtaken in a fault that we then offer ourselves as a means to get out of the sin, not just to point out the sin in somebody else's life. There's nobody in the, in, in the family of God. The Bible says we're all body. Do we all have the same function? No, but nobody has the finger of accusation. We have to be very careful about that. Because again, this is what brings people to Christ. Back in the hippie movement in the late 60s, early 70s, everybody was sinning. Everybody was shacked up. Everybody was doing drugs. But the thing is, when we would go to somebody and we'd say, hey, bro, hey, sis, you haven't got any place to live tonight? Come live with me. Come stay with me. Hey, listen, that spoke of love. Like James says, don't be saying, be warm, be filled, and (laughs) hope you figure it out. But we want to be people that say, hey, you're overtaken in something. Hey, listen, I'm here. I'm going to be praying for you. Come live with me. Come live with my cousin. Come live in the garage. Come do something. But the thing is, I believe you have to be her eyes, her heart, her feelings. She claims to know the Lord. You know God's heart is breaking over all this. So I would just invite you to just minister to her and then begin to just talk to her about who this guy really is. Do you see anything that at all concerns you as you, you know, get ready to marry the guy? I mean, is is there anything there? I mean, his temper, uh, uh, you know, checking out other women. Does he get bars? Just ask her. And I think that's going to give you a good inroads into speaking to her. And then you can begin to minister to her. Honey, listen, you're so far in. You don't see how explosive this anger could be if you were married to him. Why don't you come live with me for at least a couple of months till you get married? Do you see what I mean, Sabrina? Yes, I do. I do. I, I totally agree. I like it. All right. Well, good. Well, listen, Sabrina, stay in line. I'll send you out some books some DVDs. Maybe you can even have her come over and watch them. Maybe it'll rekindle the fire of the Lord in her heart and in her life that she'll say, Hey man, I, I, I fell off. I fell off God's God's best for me a while ago, but I'll send those to you. And then Sabrina, we're here for you if you need anything. Okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate all your advice. Sabrina, stay alive. We'll get you taken care of. And uh, for everybody listening, I mean, I, I really believe We are around people every day. We see people really blowing it. But again, to be able to reach out to them the way Jesus would do, I think is so important because, again, that bespeaks of his love. And, and you know, everything that God is reaches out to us in that love, not to leave us the way we are, but that we would change. You know, that song, Billy Graham, at the end of his Crusades. He used to have George Bev Shea sing the song, Just As I Am. Well, God loves you just as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. And I believe sometimes, but if we see somebody that's got something wrong, remember, if God's showing you that, that's so that you would go and help them get out of their sin. Not just to be a sin sniffer and say, oh, you're doing this wrong, but rather saying, okay, Lord, I want to I wanna help you get out of the, the hurt you're in. And that's, if, if there was any way... I could summarize the Jesus movement back when uh, uh, kids were getting kicked out of their homes, uh, all these different things. It was that other Christians brought them in. I remember at the uh, early days of Calvary Costa Mesa uh, that people would would come and and live in other people's houses because they had nowhere to go. And and, uh, I'll tell you a real quick story. I never shared this with you, John, but 
uh, I was going to a church, uh, and this guy had a big house. His parents went over to Europe, and he had this big house. And so it, there was all these girls hitchhiking all over the end, everywhere to go. And he all started letting them live in his house. And he had like like eight or nine, ten women living in his house. Well, the elders of the church came over to his house. And they said, you know, bro, listen, you know, the Bible says to abstain from the appearance of evil. And you have all these women living in your house. How dare you do that? And he said, you know what? I am so glad you elders are here tonight because these three girls... Uh, uh, Elder Tom, I'm going to send home with you tonight. And these three girls, I want to send home with you, Elder Phil. And these three girls, I'm going to send home with you, Elder Bob. No, uh, 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 no, we don't want them in our house. He goes, so you're saying I shouldn't have them here. They're better off living on the street than they are in the shelter of someone that cares about them. And that pointed out to me, I remember that story so clear. And I remember how this is what love is. Love is what reaches out and helps people out of the problem. So if God ever reveals you, everybody listening, sin in somebody else's life, you are the key, the gateway for them to get out of their sin, not just to expose their sin. Sabrina, stay in line. We'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Heidi, Minnesota. Hi, welcome. Hello. Where are you guys? Well, blessings to you. How may we help? Okay, I have a question, not a question, but I wanted to know what your take on Second Chronicles 714, and I have the Amplified Version. Okay. It is, if my people who called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, seek, crave, and require of necessity my faith, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear them from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. Heidi, I believe it's exactly what the Bible says it is. And uh, again, we, we want to do that. You know, it's funny. The Bible says when the Lord comes, will he find faith on the earth? And I think we, we see a, a great apostasia going on right now in, in our world. And, and we find that people have a hard time discerning between what is God, what is of the world. Oftentimes, it's deliberately uh, convoluted to cause people not to be able to understand. John, your thoughts? Well, you know, that whole section of Scripture is such a powerful place. Uh, if you go to Second Chronicles chapter 6, the previous chapter, it's, it's the whole passage of Scripture where Solomon has just built the temple. And he is dedicating it unto the Lord. And he's offering sacrifice after sacrifice in worship before God. And he's asking the Lord several questions as he's petitioning on behalf of the people. And after he had completed all of these sacrifices, they prepared the temple for dedication. Fire came down. Uh, God showed up in a powerful way, the Bible says. And now the Lord is responding. And he's saying, listen, in response to the requests you've made, if my people who are called by my name, as as we read, humble themselves and seek my face. And listen, this is oftentimes a scripture that we use um, concerning revival. We often point people to this passage of scripture. And I think it's it's a good model. There are elements that are found within this. There needs to be humility in this nation. There needs to be a repentance of sin, Amen. not just in the world, but in the church. 
I mean, we need to start there. The Bible says judgment begins in the house of God. It starts with us. We're waiting for the world to change, but the fact is the church is the way that it is and it needs to change. So start with us, God. And then as we seek his face and we get back, God, again, God's talking to his people. He's not talking to those who aren't his people. We get right with the Lord and then God begins to do a work within us and then we become effective as salt and light in this world where we're called to spread the gospel. So I think this is a great catalyst, Mike, to launch into in prayer. And these elements that are found here, I think they should be found in the church praying today. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you, the problems that our country is currently having would go away if we would do this. I I really believe, and especially the leadership of our country. But they're opposed to God. They're opposed to anything that's right. Read Romans chapter one, and you'll see just how far off our president and the Democratic Party really is. Read Romans chapter one. It'll tell you. Uh, You just read that and you'll see the agenda that these people have is not godly. And God will judge our land over this and us. So that's why we want to cry out to God. And again, work for the night is coming when no one can work. Jesus said, redeeming the time, the days are evil. Redeeming means you redeem something that normally would just be considered casual or not worth anything. I remember I used the illustration of the old blue chip green stamps that were from years ago. And and they would give him, like in other words, you'd buy $100 worth of groceries. They'd give you 100 green stamps or 100 blue stamps. And then you'd glue them in a book. Then they had a catalog and and you could get, uh, you know, bedspreads or soldering irons or whatever the case may be uh, for eight books or three books or whatever, and you would go to a redemption center. The books in themselves weren't worth anything. In fact, I remember when I moved to Idaho years and years and years ago, I remember coming across some of those in my dresser drawer. Now they're not worth anything. The reason why? There's no more redemption centers for blue chips or green stamps anymore. Jesus said, redeeming the time, the days are evil. We waste a lot of time. God's saying, redeem it, make something, make it worth something because the days are evil. Because tomorrow we may not be able to do what we can do today. Uh, And um, Heidi, I hope that helps. It does totally. I am so glad you guys reinforced my feeling on that verse. Um, I just wanted to say I had kind of a revelation. Um when I was driving today about, I'm sorry, this latest discovery of classified documents in the vice president's Well, then block. vice president Joe Biden, yeah. And now they're finding that uh, he did far worse than, um, than uh, Donald Trump did. Uh, and what's really interesting in this whole picture is that will they prosecute or try to prosecute uh, Joe Biden as they went after uh, Trump? And Trump was the president. He had a right to have these, but the vice president did not. And Joe Biden had these. So he broke the law. Uh, is the is the pendulum going to swing both ways? I venture to say probably won't. But it's interesting that these papers were revealed through his own party. So many people believe they're trying to get rid of him now uh, before the next election. I don't know. I don't know those things. But what I do know is we need to redeem the time, keep our focus on Jesus, 
Because I'll tell you, friends, the days, in fact, are evil. Heidi, um, God bless you. Thanks so much for the encouragement. Stay in line. We'll send you out a couple books, a couple of DVDs, and the new DVD, the movie Jesus. I know you're really going to like it. Stay in line, okay? All right. All right. Blessings, dear. Have a happy new year. Let's go to Tom, Alaska. Hi, welcome. Good afternoon. How are you gentlemen doing? Good. How may we help? Well, I, I know you're getting a lot of questions, and I tried to call you yesterday, but it was the end of the show. Uh, I want to say I appreciate the work you guys are doing. But you kept making a comment several times yesterday yeah. uh, about the chosen, that mm-hmm. 90% is not biblical. Yep. And I'm curious as to what you're basing that figure or that comment on. Is that an impersonal opinion of yours, or has somebody done some research and said that 90% is, is false? Watch, watch the chosen. You'll find out. When all the disciples are chattering one to another, not in the Bible. When, the, when Jesus is asking the disciples for their opinion, not in the Bible. When they quote the Book of Mormon in, a chap, in the third series, episode 8, where Jesus said, I am the law of Moses, they are quoting from the Book of Nephi, 3 Nephi 15.9. Not, not even close. Jesus never said that he was the law. He is the fulfillment of the law. So when you just watch the program, everything that you hear them talking about, oh, hey, look at that person's red sweater over there. Not in the Bible. When you just, I don't even know if it's 90%. It's probably more like maybe 95% not Bible. I'm serious. Everything you hear that is not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John concerning Jesus and the disciples is made up. About 90%. I, like I say, just sit down there. If you know your Bible well, and the disciples look at each other and say, wow, let's go over and, and buy some food over here. And it's not in the Bible. Contributes to the 90%. Uh, Tom, I hope that helps. Well, it, it does in a certain sense that I, you know, I watched the program and I agree with you uh, that there is a lot of problems with it. I mean, yes, it's it's a show uh, in a sense, and, and it does, uh, it's a biblical, you know, I shouldn't say a biblical show, but it is in, in certain senses. But I was curious as to the 90%. I've, I've watched the show a lot, and, and I would agree that there is a lot of the show, and it's entertainment, you can say that. Uh, but you were keying on the 90% so much, I was just curious if that was a personal opinion or if somebody, you know, some Christian organization had done a study of all the I've heard that from several people, and the little bit that I watched it, I don't even know if it was, I don't even know if it was even 10% Bible because of so much chattering that goes on that's not in the Bible. Like I say, it's better than watching Bart Simpson. But, um, hey, we're coming up on a break. We'll have more right after this. It's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our health care. No doubt. This is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly health care costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch. It's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with healthcare costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up. MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. And MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry that's worked beautifully for 29 years. 
There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. Here you go. Call 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. This Sanctity of Life Month, we honor the over 63 million babies whose lives have been tragically ended through abortion since Roe. Sadly, with the abortion pill accounting for over 50% of all abortions, babies' lives are at even greater risk. But in the midst of this darkness, there is a light that shines. Preborn has rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion and is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. Preborn shares babies' heartbeats and the gospel of Jesus Christ to help moms choose life for their baby and for their soul. To learn more about the life-saving work of Preborn, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. Or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. All gifts are tax-deductible. Your love can save a life. Welcome me back to part two of To Every Man and Answer here on this Tuesday with John Randall. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. John is from uh, Calvary Chapel, South Orange County, and uh, he has a program here that comes on about an hour before To Every Man and Answer. And I just want to encourage you to tune in and listen if you have a chance called A Daily Walk. So, uh, John, I'm, I'm so glad you're with us. And, um, you know, we we had our, our last question there. Um, you know, uh, like like I tell people, uh, you can just listen and and realize that most of what you're hearing is not out of the out of the Bible at all. Right, concerning the chosen, right? I I know we've had a lot of questions about this, and you know, I think as we mentioned yesterday, you want to be discerning with everything that you watch, uh, everything that you see. Run it through the filter, through the grid of the Word of God. And I think what makes this for some uh, difficult to watch or cause questions is because there's there's a lack of 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 scripture quotable scripture there are places where jesus the person playing jesus quotes scripture says verses um depending on which translation he uses and and i think some of the things that they do mike in their research uh for these particular programs is for example uh let's say the the woman who has the issue of blood they it seems like they pull from history from commentaries of what it would be like. In other words, if you're teaching on a particular subject, you're teaching on this particular woman who had the issue of blood that takes hold of the hem of Jesus's garment. If you're teaching that passage, you would probably say, you know, according historically, they were considered unclean. Okay, what does that mean? It probably means she couldn't be married. She couldn't go to synagogue. She would she would be ostracized from society. She could not have children. And and the Bible says she was also harmed by doctors. That's what she says. I, I, she suffered and, and broke and broke from right, doctors. Right, right. So, so what they do is they, it seems to me that they read from commentaries and other people and they try to, well, they try to give you a picture of what that would actually look like. What would it look like if you were ostracized from society? What would it look like if you weren't able to be married? What would it look like if you weren't able to go into the synagogue? And they try to present that. Now that is not in chapter and verse. We get a, a brief snapshot. So they pull from 
from from the day in which they're living, the culture, and they try to write a story into it and and to, to make it more real. I do think you have to be careful when it comes to Jesus and the words that he speaks. And and I think that's where sometimes you, you just have to be discerning as you watch it. Yeah, it's just what you said. They write into the story. And and that's where my, my objection is. It isn't that I don't think it's it, you know, there, you know, can you learn from it? Yeah, probably, because you maybe get a little bit of the cultural shot. But the problem is when most people don't know the Bible and they watch that and they think that is the Bible, that's where the problem comes in. And right. so you have to be, I, discerning, I, I, have that, to be right. discerning. And and right. so, you know, I'm not saying don't watch it. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm saying you want to watch it very carefully because, again, you are not getting the Word of God. You're getting it through... Uh, uh, other sources. Th- that's one of the reasons why I-, I know John, myself, many other people we have here on Every Man and Answer and other programs, we try to stick textually to the script. What does the Bible say? Now, if there is cultural issue in there, we want to mention it, such as, well, uh, should a woman have her hair covered? First Corinthians chapter 11. These kinds of questions that we would come across. Well, I think you can bring culture into it and the relevancy of how it would apply to us today. But when we begin to add to the story, that's where it gets wonky because you don't know for sure if that's what in fact happened. Mm -hmm. And so then people begin to believe the artistic um, uh, freedom that the the writer took, which people now begin to believe that's the Bible, and it's not. And so we have to understand that there is a, a, a very careful thing that we need to do. And I have found when I represent God's Word, as a pastor, I know, John, you're like this too. Right. When we represent God on Sunday morning, or Jesus Christ, or, or what does the Bible really say, I want to be really careful, and as much as I can be 100% dead accurate, mm. I don't want to add to God's Word, I don't want to take away from God's Word, and when people can take artistic liberty and write entire stories about two disciples talking, walking down the road about sheep, that's that's where I want to be very careful because mm. I can mislead somebody. And I don't want to do that. Now, maybe the writer is not even thinking or worried about misleading anybody because he's just writing a story. But we want to be careful not because you can't get the feel of what it was like in Jesus's day, but that what you might be hearing and what you might be seeing isn't even close to what the Bible says, but believing that it is. That's all I'm saying. We live, Jesus said, again, we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I don't have to worry about artistic liberty in the Bible being written. I don't have to worry about, is this really true or is this not really true? And like I would say, reading any book, anywhere, at any time concerning anything, you need to read it with your sunglasses on. But if you don't know God's word very well, be careful. You can get snookered. And that's the thing. This is why the Bible says, thy word I have hidden my heart that I might not sin against thee. What does that mean? Why is that written? And I really believe, again, it goes back to simply when you know God's word, you're going to want to defend God's word because that's what the Bible says, that we would would do that. And when we see something 
masquerading as God's word that really isn't, that's why I think we get a little burr under our saddle on that. And I think really all of us should. Just the thought. Let's go back to the phones. We have Wendy on the line, Greenville, South Carolina. Hi, welcome. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. And I want to thank you for all the hard work you do for our Lord and Savior. God is and good. I want to congratulate I want to congratulate you for that wonderful answer because I've watched a few of the episodes of Chosen and I did not find it lined up with scripture either. Um, but that was not my question. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> That's all right. Um, yes, you would. If you know your Bible, you should be studying your Bible anyways and meditating on it day and night. As the Lord said, then you would know what was not in the Bible and what was in the Bible. Mm-hmm. But let me get let me get to my question. Right. Sure, there's people on hold. But my question is regarding Revelation uh, and regarding the second coming of Jesus Christ. Um, it says that the Lord will come with his angels. And I've been very confused about that. Um, and I've been praying to find the answer. Um because I had always thought that at, during the millennial reign that, that us saints, us raptured saints, would come back with Jesus and rule and reign. And I got a, somewhere somebody confused me or something confused me. when So I went back to the scriptures and I saw that the angels were going to come back. And I didn't know. Okay, I thought, okay, wait a minute. Are we coming back, too? So I guess my call today is to find out, are we coming back with Jesus during the second coming? Are the angels, are the angels and we? Who's coming back with Jesus? Well, we know we are for sure. And tell us about angels and the word messenger. Well, I would say, uh, first of all, you know, Matthew sixteen twenty seven, the passage of scripture that you're alluding to, it says that the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels and he will reward each according to his works. Um, the Bible also tells us in Revelation chapter 19, and it actually gives us a description of Jesus coming back in his second coming. And it's, it's a pretty radical description in comparison to his first coming. But when he comes back, he will come back with the armies of heaven, it says, that are clothed in white linen, fine and clean. And that those armies coming with him, his saints, his beloved, that's us. He comes back with both, Wendy. He comes back with the angels and he comes back with his saints, it says, riding alongside of him on white horses. Now, I haven't ridden too many horses in my day, but I'm trusting these are trained. We're coming back with him. So it's both. And then he's going to establish his kingdom. He's going to rule and reign. So I do believe that, you know, the armies of the Lord and angels are used as uh, they're military in, in one sense. They're part of God's army, but but we are coming back with him as well. So the way I understand it, angels, as well as believers who have already been raptured, coming back as the Lord establishes his kingdom. What a day that's going to be. Yeah, and you got to realize that that as, as we will uh, primarily be ministering to those people living on the earth and all, you have to remember that uh, God's angelic forces will be rounding up the demons. The devil is locked away for almost a thousand years. And so I believe this is why we can have this utopian time on the earth called the millennial reign of Christ. And yet in all of that, living with a perfect government, 
perfect food, perfect ecosystem. They still rebel against God when Satan is loosed at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ, which proves and shows and demonstrates to all of humanity throughout all times, you must be born again. It is not within man to live righteously, even placed in the perfect environment. You know, Charlie Manson believed that he was going to take these kids that he stole from everybody, locked them in boxes out in the Mojave Desert. I happen to know one of the girls whose child was stolen. And his idea was that he was going to take these kids and never let them hear the word no. They were never going to, to, to have anything bad uh, be ever addressed to them. He was going to start a race war by killing Sharon Tate uh, and blame it on the black people. Everybody would be fighting everybody. Once everybody is destroyed, then Charlie Manson would emerge out of the desert with this group of people that had never heard the word no, never had anything negative programmed into them, and then start this new glorious time on earth. That's what his whole philosophy was. And people laughed at it, and they ridiculed it. They thought, this guy is crazy. Yet now today in our colleges, this is what is the norm. The reason people are bad is because they've had bad things happen to them. The reason people are bad is they heard the word no when they were a child. The same philosophy, I believe, of the demon that lied to Charlie, now lying to all the people graduating from our colleges, When the Bible says it's not within man to live righteously, we have an old sin nature. Jesus said to a religious leader of the day in John chapter 3, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. You see, that spirit died when man ate of the tree. It's been dead ever since. That's what you see what's wrong with the world today. And so understanding that God puts man in a perfect place. Only to prove what Jesus said all along, you must be born again. It is not within man to live righteously, even in a perfect world for a thousand years, perfect environment, long life, enough for everybody. They'll still rebel. The Bible says the sand is on the seashore. Hope that helps, Wendy. It does. Can you pray for my lost family, my husband and my children? Oh, I'm so worried that the Lord will come and rapture us away and... Don't believe the lie. Let's pray. Father, we pray for Wendy's family and all those listening that have loved ones that are lost. Father, that you'd bind Satan from their eyes, from their minds, that they would see the great opportunity, God, that you present to them to be saved and to have their sins forgiven and to live with you forever. And so, Lord, may you send your ministering people to them, your ministering spirits to them, that they would soften their heart. They would hear your message And Lord, that they would accept you as Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Wendy, stay in line. I'll send you out some books, some DVDs. Perhaps you can sit down and get your husband to watch uh, God of Wonders. Done very similar to uh, National Geographic uh, with the uh, photograph and the facts and everything that are there in that. I think you'll really enjoy it. And even for an atheist, even for a scoffer, when you watch God of Wonders, it challenges you. you. You can't really hold on to the idea that this all just happened. So stay in line. We'll get that out to you and the movie Jesus as well. Wendy, we'll be praying for you, okay? God bless you all. Blessings to you, dear. Happy New Year to you. Stay in line. They'll get you fixed up. Let's go to Scott. Revelation. Excuse me. Idaho. Hi and welcome. 
good, good afternoon. Uh, the question I had is in the New Jerusalem, it says that, you know, the, the Lord's going to be our light and the Lamb will, will be the lamp. Mm-hmm. And then it says, and, and John says that, that all the nations shall walk by its light and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it. Who are the kings of the earth? I've tried to find this. You, you know what? And, and, okay, let me add to this, okay? <laughs> you have in heaven this this river, and in the midst of the river, there's a tree of life, and its leaves are for the healing of the nations. Now, what is a tree doing in heaven with leaves for the healing of the nations, being everybody is in heaven it tells me that when we get to heaven, that our brains are not going to be bulk erased. We will be known as we're known. I believe even possibly a lot of the things that troubled us here on this earth, maybe prejudice, other things like that, we will still have there. And I believe this is where we will be cleansed further when we get to heaven in that we will understand more. Otherwise, I don't understand the healing of the nations either, the leaves thereof. Your thoughts? Well, you know, it's a great question that you asked, Scott. But when it comes to Jerusalem, uh, at his second coming, Jesus will, the Bible tells us, descend to the Mount of Olives just outside Jerusalem. There, Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4 tells us that Jerusalem is going to actually be the seat of authority in Jesus' kingdom. And it's from there in Zion that he will rule and reign. The Bible says he's going to sit upon the throne of David forever. You wonder why there's so much tension, so much surrounding Jerusalem at the present time. It's because that is the location from where Jesus is going to rule and reign during his millennial kingdom. Who are the nations that are come, going to come before him? Who are the kings? They're the leadership. Listen, the world is going to be repopulated during the millennial reign of Christ. I mean, there's going to be people added to the earth and there's going to be people coming and and worshiping before him. But Jerusalem is a significant place. And I think it's important for us, especially for listeners, um, Mike, to keep their eyes on Jerusalem. Also, keep your eyes on Jesus. God's time clock. When you see things happening in Israel, well, you should just be heads up. Something's going on there. And as we're seeing all of these nations come together, well, we know one day every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every king, every ruler, every leader, every president, every person is going to bow before Jesus in that day. He's going to rule and reign. Amen. So I, I hope that helps, Scott. In, in the millennial reign, am I wonky, or is is there going to be nations in the millennial reign? Yeah, I, I believe there'll be areas, absolutely, and and even Magog is is mentioned there, uh, right towards the end of the the thousand year reign of Christ. So there's still going to be people groups in the world, but they all have to pay homage to Christ. All of them. And and if they don't, the Bible says, if they don't come in and celebrate the feast, the Bible says no rain will fall on their land. Now, let's go a little bit farther forward when we get into the New Jerusalem, the river that comes down from the, there's no more sea. Uh, We have the river of life that comes out of the throne. And we have that tree uh, for the healing of the nations. I, I think it's interesting that people and people groups seem to be into the millennia and also into uh, into eternity as well. And I think it's really amazing to me that only in Christ will all prejudice finally be gone. 
I, I just simply believe that that it's a supernatural thing that God does. And just as God broke the world up back in back at Babel, I believe God reestablishes us there in his eternal kingdom, there in the new Jerusalem forever. And so hope that helps, Scott. Well, Mike, what you're telling me, man, is that Biden and the Democrats have got the spirit of the Antichrist running rampant in them because they're trying to do away with the nation, a border. Well, they're trying to do away with the United States. There's no doubt about it, everyone, because here's the problem. You've got somewhere around 60 million illegals right now in the United States, uh, and they're not shutting the border. How many do they want? Do they want 200 more illegal people in the United States to even outnumber Americans? Do they want 400 million illegal aliens in the United States? Do they want a billion illegal aliens in the United States? See, they they won't answer these questions because they're completely deceitful. How many is enough? How many can can America sustain? We're already out of water in the West Coast of the United States. Oh, I know they're getting rain right now, and prayerfully Lake Mead will fill up a little bit. But they're saying by the year 2030, Las Vegas will be completely dry and people will have to exit the city. Now, when you stop to think about all those that are reliant on on the West and then add billions of more people, or maybe I should say hundreds of millions of more people, there's not enough to go around. And this is why they're collapsing America. Remember, the Roman Empire was never conquered. Its borders were overran. Sound familiar? If you're trying to destroy a country, how would you do it? Well, the Democratic Party, i.e. the Communist Party now. The Democratic Party today, friends, is not the party of JFK and Truman. It is not. John F. Kennedy did everything he could do to stop communism. That's how we ended up in Vietnam. But now we have Bernie Sanders, an avowed communist socialist, in our in our Senate. Yeah, that's right. What we used to fight, what the Democrats used to fight overseas, now they are welcoming into Washington, D.C. And America sets back, and you know what we think about? Dancing with the stars. Hey, who is that voice? Uh, uh, You know, America's priorities. We have forgotten God. And when you forget God, you become completely oblivious to your enemies. Now, we know the world is headed for a one-world order. America, they're going to make fail. And friends, we are on rails as fast as we can go to end the United States. Listen, no country in the world has ever existed with open borders. No country anywhere at any time. And what they're doing is on purpose. I heard a story last night, KNX News Los Angeles talked about these hundreds of buses that are coming into Denver, and they don't know what to do. Their infrastructure cannot handle it. So they're sending now these buses into the rest of Colorado. Hey, this is real problems, friends, and America doesn't care because we're dancing with the stars. It won't be long, America. You're biting the poison pill. You keep voting these people in. You're not going to have a country. It won't exist. Work for the night is coming when no one can work. Redeeming the time, the days are evil. How much more does the red lights have to be flashing? The sirens have to be going off when we see our country literally imploding on itself. Another $1.7 trillion in debt. And you wonder where inflation comes from? Stop spending money you don't have. Nobody can sustain anything like that in their home. 
You're never going to sustain that. So we have no gross national product to back up this 1.7, this new omnibus spending. It's completely frivolous. Every one of those articles in that omnibus spending should have been debated by Congress, each one individually. Instead, they just throw it in like a bunch of slop. And you stupid Americans that have jobs, well, we're all going to pay for it. Well, friends, I'll tell you, no country in the history of the world has ever sustained this. And again, with the Communist Party, promise them anything but deliver nothing when they're in power. Remember. Scott, hope that helps. Stay the line. Send you out some books, some DVDs. Let's go to Brandon, Ontario, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Hi, guys. Hi, how may we help? My question has to do with Revelation chapter 2, the seven churches. Um, There's footnotes in my Bible that, of course, they were local churches in Asia Minor. Mm -hmm. um, It says that they represent, like, particular uh, churches throughout history. The history of the church, yes, I agree. Okay. Okay. I was just kind of curious about that because I never heard that before. Yeah, and they also exist today. John, your thoughts? Well, I think it's a great question you asked, Brandon. You know, there are several implications. For one thing, there's spiritual implications for those churches. For example, every church that received a letter needed the letter that they received. Ephesus had neglected priorities, Smyrna, satanic opposition, Pergamos, religious compromise, Thyatira, immoral practices, Sardis, spiritual apathy, Philadelphia, lost opportunity, Laodicea, material prosperity. I mean, each one of these churches needed the word they received. But there's also a way to look at it, and some do, as Mike mentioned, historically that the church in Ephesus represented the powerful church of the apostles, that Smyrna represented the martyrdom and history of the church under Roman rulers, that Pergamus represented the corruption that came into the church when Constantine uh, made it church and state. Thyatira represented the dark ages of the 6th century to the 15th. Sardis, the fifth church, describes the rise and development of corruption, uh, of Protestantism, how the Reformation, although powerful in its beginnings, didn't didn't come out all the way. And then you have the 6th and 7th church there of Philadelphia and Laodicea. And some have suggested that these church, they're side by side preceding the church's departure and the rapture. And here's what I think, Mike. I think all these churches, these letters could speak to every church today. There's something about what these churches received that the church needs to hear today. And I've often said to to our church, if the Lord wrote us a letter right now, what would he say to Calvary South OC? Lord, what are you saying to us? Where do we need to change? But I think it's it's fascinating when you can look at these letters and you can really see the spiritual implications as well as the potential historical implications and how they tie in. Amen. So uh, I hope that hope that answers it for you, uh, Brandon. Stay in line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll just really enjoy. We're all out of time. John Royce, the rest, please call us back. We'll put you on first thing tomorrow. I promise no waiting. You'll be the first ones we get to. John Royce and the rest, please. And um, thank John for so much wisdom that you departed with us, you gave us today. God bless you, Mike. Thanks, brother. God bless you, too. Always a blessing to be with you. Remember, keep looking up. Our redemption draws nigh. One of these days, we're going home. God bless you and good night. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. 
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 